now. Well, good morning, everybody, and I want to welcome all our campuses today, starting overseas in Church Unlimited Sydney, and then Rotorua, Whangarei, and Kaitaia. Welcome to Church Unlimited this morning. So let me get myself ready for a message today that you're going to find out about a little bit shortly. All right, I was preaching up in, uh, I don't even know how to put these on. I was preaching up in Whangarei recently, and I spoke about all of us being uh, full-time, powerful, anointed ministers in the marketplace, in the workplace. So I'm going to get in a part of one aspect of the, how does this work? Does it, does it? Is that inside out? What have I done here? No, that's right. Does it just sit like that? Okay, no, no buttons, nothing. Okay, cool. Does that look all right? Powerful, anointed. So this is just one aspect of the workplace that I want to uh, speak about today because I want to first define the workplace. Or it may be an outfit like this, all right, and uh, that you see them all over the place. Or it may be in an office. It could be at your school, at your workplace, it could be university, it could be a Christian organization, it could be church offices, it could be your home. How many of you agree that home needs work? A uh, few of us do. Most mums don't think homes work, but that's all right. I think it is. All right, so it could be that or your street, your workplace, where you spend most of your time. So that's what I'm talking about today. And uh, as I was speaking in Church Unlimited Whangarei, I felt the Holy Spirit speak two things very clearly to my heart about um, this whole theme. And the first one was, I began speaking about anointing, and God just said uh, the word mighty anointing. Mighty anointing. In other words, God's not just got anointing for you in the marketplace, He's got mighty anointing. And we're going to start to see people in the marketplace do extraordinary things for God. And there's going to come a shift away from, you know, powerful preachers to powerful marketplace workers. We're going to start hearing those testimonies more and more and more. And so the hunger for marketplace ministry is probably going to excel and go beyond the hunger for church ministry because actually the needs are actually out there where all the people are. So that was the first thing God spoke to me. But then another thing came. As I was speaking, there was a phrase that came to me that I've never used before and I've never preached on before, and I want to preach on it today. It is a prophetic phrase. It's a prophetic message that I want to share with you today, and the phrase was this, seek his face for your workplace. Seek his face for his workplace. As I've reflected on this, I've thought, my God, how have I missed this for 30 years of running Church Unlimited? That should be probably the primary focus of our prayers should be praying for our workplace, because that's where the lost are. Most of them are not in here. That's where the greatest needs are. It's out there. If there's anything we should be praying for, it should be seeking His face for our workplace. And if we do that, I believe it's going to be a key to bringing revival into our nation. And um, you know, something I say today, I know is going to impact your heart all across campuses, something, some word, some phrase, you may have got it already, is going to penetrate your heart. That's what you came for. Don't worry about the rest of it. Just what is God saying? Because this is a prophetic message. When you grab something that is prophetic, it's life-giving. 
It's life-changing. It transforms you, transforms the things that you do and the way that you operate. For years, people have embraced the idea that church is a place you go to on Sunday. It's true, but they forget that in the book of Acts, they spread the gospel everywhere they went, and most of it was outside of the church. And the reality is, friends, is you have church wherever you go. You have it in a cafe. You have it at school. You have it at work. You have it in your street. You have it really in your home. And you are the pastor, and those around you are your flock. So please, across campuses, say to the person next to you, good morning, pastor. Come on, tell the person on the other side. Wow, isn't that amazing? We have thousands of pastors in Church Unlimited. You thought we only had five or ten or twenty. We have thousands. And, uh, you know, as pastors, you're loving the people that are around. What is a pastor? <laughs> Think about it. What is a pastor? A pastor basically cares for people. And some of you care for pastors far better <laughs> care for pastors. Care for people far better than I care for people. Some of you have more of a pastor's heart. So we all are meant to, we all meant to love people. Is that right? So we're all pastors. Isn't that awesome? You've always been wondering what's your ministry, what you're calling. Now you know you are a pastor in the body of Christ. And also you have a pulpit. And your pulpit is wherever you are. You preach with your life. You know, if, if necessary, use words. It's far important to preach well in the pew or in the workplace than actually from a platform. I think, quite frankly, I think anyone can preach from a platform. <laughs> that's easy. Just get some words and shout them out. You get them from somewhere else, whatever. That's, that's easy. <laughs> Preaching with your life at work, that person that you hate <laughs> or hates you or backstabbing, criticizing. Preaching, love, that, that's real preaching. Anyone agree with that? That's, that's the real, that's where the rubber meets the road. And so, you know, shepherd the people at work, care for them, care for your fellow students at school, love them, whet their appetite for Jesus. Some of you will recall the story of Chuck, Chuck Ripka, Senior Vice President of Riverview Community Bank in Minnesota. Watch the story and apply it to your own circumstance. The night before opening his doors in 2003, Chuck and the CEO walked the facilities, laid hands on all the desks, all the computers. <laughs> if they were out in the factory, all the work tools. <laughs> laid hands on all of those, opened the doors, and they invited Jesus to come in. I wonder if you've ever done that. It wasn't long before employees got saved. Then Chuck reminded them that they're all ministers of God. The bank was in ministry. Their church, if you like, and the customers were their flock. And the customers miraculously were offered a free service, a free banking service. This is a miracle. And that is they offered prayer. Nothing else is free in a bank, I'm sure you of that. The New York, so in two years, more than 60 miracles were actually recorded, and over 100 people were saved. New York Times heard about this. They sent a reporter to do a story on the bank. He was skeptical at first, but he's so impacted that he actually gave, got saved. And he wrote an article, God's Bank, which became the cover story of the New York Times magazine in October 2004. Soon, crews from around the world descended on the bank to make programs. People began to ask, is this God's bank? 
Because if it is, we want to put our money there. The bank grew by a million dollars a week for the first two years, making it the fastest growing bank in the United States of America. Because one man realized there was a powerful, anointed, full-time minister of the gospel in the workplace. And everything changed. So here's a challenge. Who's going to be the first workplace minister in Church Unlimited that's going to see something like this or an outbreak of God in their workplace? Will that person come from Church Unlimited in Sydney or Rotorua? Will they come from Kaitaia? Will they come from Whangarei? Will they come from our city church? Will they come from West or even from Tuvalu? It needs to come from somewhere. Now, with that passage of Scripture, God connected this message with a specific prayer passage that I believe is extremely relevant for Church Unlimited across campuses today. So turn with me to 1 Kings in chapter 18, and we're going to read verses 41 to 45. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees, speaking of prayer. God's given a promise, now he's praying. He said to his servants, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. What do you do when you pray and there's nothing? <laughs> You've prayed and it didn't happen. You pray and there's no result. What do you do? Pack a sad and quit? No. What do you do? He said to the servant, go up, uh, look towards the sea. And he said, then he, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Everyone say, go again. Go again. All right, go again. Then it came the seventh time. The seven is the number of perfection. That means that you've prayed to the fullness. That he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, good up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, there's been many prophetic words like verse 1, which says um, there's going to be a sound of rain. There's a sound of the abundance of rain, where, you know, Elijah goes and tells the, um, tells the uh, prophet, that was, sorry, goes back to verse 1, that's found in rain, I'm going to send rain on the earth. So we had a lot of promises, haven't we, of prophecies of, of revival coming and to the church, and we need that. But I want to suggest today that maybe more important, it's is to pray for revival in your workplace. We want to see God's power and glory in the church, but I think it's more needed in the workplace. We need to move this prayer from inside the church. Well, we'll keep it in here as well, but also to outside the church. And God's word, I believe, to every attender, every attender in Church Unlimited is seek his face for your workplace. Seek his face for your workplace, whether that's your husband's workplace, your own workplace, whether it's your street, whether it's your school, whether it's your home, whether it's your university, seek his face. That's the word of the Lord, I believe, to Church Unlimited across campuses and across the nations. You know, imagine if thousands of us started every day to seek his face for our workplace. How many of you reckon that's going to make a difference to our cities, to our nation? Something is, something is going to happen. And I say again to myself, Tuck, how did you miss this for 30 years? The thing we should have been doing right from the very beginning is seeking his face for our 
workplace. You know, this is all a part of the vision of New Zealand and beyond, the vision of Church Unlimited. It's not a one-dimensional approach. You know, so we have good neighbors. We have the prayer walk coming up very soon. And we have that clothing Sunday. Then we have New Zealand Beyond Conference. And now God's adding another dimension to reaching this nation, and that is seek His face for your workplace. So you ask the question, how can I find time to do that? Well, you pray, you're, you pray um, in the morning when you have your devotional time, you can pray for your workplace, but also pray as you drive to work, or maybe you bus, maybe you walk, maybe you train to, bar, to work. So you already have a set time and a set place, which is the two keys to prayer. Use them. Use them. If you're on a bus or something, pray silently, but pray for your workplace. How many of you would love a great workplace to work in? Well, pray for the jolly thing, <laughs> and it'll get better. If it's awful, then change it through your prayers. And of course, for those of you who live in Auckland, like many of us, who face gridlock most days or many days, if you work in the city, well, you can pray as you're driving to work. You have plenty of uninterrupted time, maybe an hour. And I believe God, a gridlock is God's given key to revival in our city. I pray that every attempt to stop gridlock will fail so that you can pray as you're sitting in that car. Pray for the person on your left and your right. Pray for, the, pray for your workplace. You know, Auckland has uh, 800 more cars on Auckland roads every week. Forget praying for gridlock to go. It ain't going to go, folks. It's here to stay so you can pray for, you say, I, I just feel sorry for Kai Taifong Ray and Rotorua because they don't have gridlock. So we're going to get revival probably before they do, but hey, God bless you up there. Sydney, you're with us, all right? Sydney, you're with us. We're going to bring that revival as we walk and work, as we work to, walk to church or bus to church, however we do it. So right now, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Why don't you stand to the feet? Cross campuses, let's stand to our feet. Everybody, let's stand. All right, you're on the clock. 60 seconds, pray for your workplace. Don't be afraid to raise your voice. You've done 20 seconds. Mm, Spirit of God, move, Father. Father, open heaven. God, an open heaven. Peace. Mm, joy. High performance, God. Witness. Open heaven, Father, over our workplace. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Move by your Spirit, God, we pray. Keep going, folks. It's not a minute yet. And everybody said, grab a seat. Can you see how hard it is for some people to pray for a minute? Really is. Some people really struggle to pray for a whole minute on one particular topic. So it was a good exercise to do there. But one thing God's been teaching me from verse 44, it says, then it came to pass the seventh time, that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And God's been speaking to me about that particular verse. And what he's been saying is this, that when you see 
the first glimpse of an answer. Small, size of a man's hand, just very limited. Let your faith rise, realizing that God has begun to answer your prayers. As you seek his face for your workplace, I'm telling you, things are going to change. You're going to start to see things happen in your, in your workplace. It may be a cloud the size of a man's hand, but things are going to happen. You cannot pray for your workplace and nothing to happen, folks. God said, call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things. God will begin to do something. You may begin to find that you're, you're, ex, uh, you're exceeding beyond your natural ability. You may find favor. You may get a promotion. You might find a, uh, someone at work just starting to talk to you and asking some questions about your life. What do you do on a Sunday? You, a friendship may develop. You, know, you might just get an idea that's going to help your workplace. You may just do something and do it better than you normally do. Something's going to start to happen as you seek His face for your workplace. Something is going to start to move. Something is going to change in your workplace. And as you, when you see that, let faith rise in your heart and uh, believe that God has just begun to answer you. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a key when you begin to see God answer your prayer or begin to answer your prayer, begin to thank Him. I believe that's a real key to seeing a complete uh, breakthrough in your situation. I know of a man that had uh, serious cancer and really diagnosed to die, but uh, he went and got prayer and nothing dramatic happened, but he went home and he was able to eat a little bit of chicken and hold it down. And that was the first time he had done that for ages. And so the wife, seeing that, understood this verse of Scripture, and she just began to thank God profusely, said, God, I thank you, I thank you, Lord, that this, this little cloud the size of a man's hand, and he was completely healed by God's power. When she gives her testimony, she said the key was thanking God at the first minor sign of God beginning to answer prayer. When you see the cloud size of a man's hand, give thanks and rejoice. Let faith rise. Elijah then says there's a sound of abundance of rain. So it's not just a cloud now. He's saying, I've seen the cloud, therefore there's an abundance of rain coming. And I use this in my own prayer life. Uh, recently I was praying for the United Kingdom and beyond registrations. It's been a bit of a challenge. And I sent an email uh, a week or so ago that over a certain weekend, 14 registrations came in. And so I thought to myself, ha ha. <laughs> I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I grabbed a hold of it, and then I began to declare. And I said, now, God, I hear the sound of the, of the abundance of registrations flooding in. God, I hear the sound of a heavy rain about the United Kingdom and beyond registrations. And that's, friends, how I pray. When I see that cloud, I grab a hold of it, and I won't let it go. And I begin to declare, then it's going to come in abundance in greater and greater strength. You know, this place is too small for us. Last week at West, uh, the kids' numbers were just massive. With probably the, from memory, the, probably the biggest they've ever been without a special event on since I've been in Church Unlimited. It was amazing. And as I thought about it, I thought, I thought wow, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. <laughs> I see it, God. I see it. I grab a hold of it now. And then I say, God, there's now coming. I hear the sound of a heavy rain. I hear the sound of our children's church growing exponentially and multiplying and increasing because I've seen the cloud. <laughs> Next week at work, expect to see a cloud the size of a man's hand. So what are your morning rituals when you get to work? Check the emails. 
Chat with your co-workers, head straight for the coffee pot, not the booze pot. That's at the end of the day. No. <laughs> Just about got some of you, didn't I? <laughs> These moments are precious before the onslaught of the work day. But for Christians, the most important ritual in the workplace is prayer. Do you know why prayer postures you correctly before God and man? Let me say that again. Prayer postures you correctly before God and man. So what it's going to do, it will impact all your interactions with those you work with. You see, right posture before God leads to right posture before others. Tomorrow as you enter the workplace, your school, your university, at home, add to your prayers by spending a few minutes with God. Dr. Halverson, and this is going to come up for you on the screen, a pastor always ended his service with this benediction. Listen to it carefully. You go nowhere by accident. Isn't that a good statement? Isn't that a good statement? Wherever you go, God is sending you. Tomorrow, friends, He's sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. You got that? God's put you wherever you are tomorrow. In this church, He's put you there. Christ who indwells you has something He wants to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in His grace and love and power. Do you like that? You go nowhere by accident. There are no accidents. God's arranged your life wherever you are. We're not up to that one yet, folks, but we'll get there shortly. Dr. Halverson, at, the, at a funeral, always gave a benediction. He gave, sorry, at, at his funeral, he gave this benediction via a video recording, all right? So this is, how, this is the same guy. This is what the benediction that he gave after he had died. You may not be right where you want to be, but God can use you right there. In fact, God may have you right where he wants you. That's a good thing to think about, folks. Right where he wants you. Whether you're making a missions trip halfway around the world or a trip to the local grocery store, God is setting up divine appointments along the way. There's one there for you tomorrow, folks. Probably today. The challenge, of course, is that they are harder to recognize closer to home because we're an autopilot. You know, when you travel overseas or go somewhere missionary, you're always expecting divine appointments. Hey, you're on a missions trip every day. Don't be in such a hurry to get to where you're going that you miss the miracles along the way or the miracles that may be out of your way. Amazing words, aren't they? I heard of this woman, she realized that God was with her in the job. This was her appointment as a top executive. And she would seek his face for her workplace. Watch what happens when you start to do this, folks. The Holy Spirit spoke to her. He said a rec recent acquisition that their company had made was, a fl was flawed because the CEO of the company selling it had fooled the auditors. God showed her this. So she told the chief financial officer, that, hey, there's something wrong with this acquisition. He demanded to know, well, who did you get this information from? Because, you know, it's a dangerous thing when you sort of think you know inside information. And so reluctantly, she didn't really want to say it, but she said, actually, well, God told me. The CFO was shocked, but he decided to investigate it. When it all proved to be true, he went back to her and said, what else did God tell you? <laughs> Are you hearing? Seek his face for your workplace. Please, 
seek his face for your workplace. It's a key to revival. It's a key to New Zealand and beyond. It's a key to reaching this lost world for Jesus. Matthew 5 verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, watch this, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. The church is the salt of the earth, the salt of the world. All believers in Christ together are salt, the salt of the earth. Let me tell you four things about salt. Makes one thirsty. It's a preservative. It's a seasoning that makes seasoning that makes things taste better, and it's painful to an open wound. When the church is salt, this is what happens. It will delay decay in a sinful world. Wonder how many of you think that's happening? It will make a th- world thirsty for what we have. It will preserve society from getting worse. It will make the world a happier place. And our gospel will be offensive to lost people. But if the salt's lost its savor, it's not much good. And many church leaders around the world, including me, are saying that sadly the church has lost its saltiness. And so the decay in the world is not being delayed. The church's message often is no longer offensive to lost people. The world's not becoming a better place to live in, and many of them are not hungry for what we've got. So what can you and I do about this, to be salt where God has placed us? What you can do is seek his face for your workplace, and then live godly lives. Manifest Christ in your workplace. Preach with your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. Be the nicest person in your office. Tell the person next to you, be the nicest person in your workplace. The one everyone wants to be around. Because, you know, when you are, it makes people hungry for what you've got. Salt makes people thirsty for what you've got. If you do these things, you're going to delay decay in your workplace. You can uphold standards of righteousness and truth and godliness. That's what salt does. You preach with your life wherever God's placed you. And you make your workplace a happier place to be. You bring heaven to earth. Years ago, a leading professional golfer played a round with Gerald Ford, the U.S. president of that time, with Jack Nicklaus, a great golfer, and Billy Graham. A friend asked him, what was it like playing with the president of Billy Graham? He ushered a torrent of cursing and said, I don't need Billy Graham to stuff religion down my throat. Stormed off to the practice tee in fury. They said his neck was crimson and smoke was coming out of his ears. He was so mad being confronted. A friend went up to him and said, was Billy pretty rough on you out there? The guy heaved a sigh of embarrassed embarrassment and said, no, he didn't even mention religion. He just had a bad round. Billy Graham had not said a word, yet he was accused of preaching. How could that be, friends? Because Billy Graham's life was a message in itself. And his presence spoke for itself. The salt had a bite. It had conviction. And the pro felt it acutely. Salt can't help being salt. I want to issue a challenge to you and to me. Would you be salt in your workplace? Would you be salt? Would you be that preservative in your workplace? Would you stop the decay and the decline in your workplace? 
by just by your very presence? Would you make people hungry for, for Jesus because you are salt? And salt makes things tastier. Would you make it a happier place to be around? Our best witness for Jesus is how we work. Jesus said, let your light so shine, not that you get a promotion, but rather they see your good works and glorify God. That's the reason you do work, good works, not just for a salary increase, not just for promotion, but people may glorify God by your witness and your life in the workplace. When the motive is right, seek first the kingdom of God. He'll add everything else to you. See, people, people in the marketplace say, show me the reality of what you believe by the way you live before you tell me anything about it. You earn respect by how you handle conflicts and disappointments and successes and failures. Then people listen. Howard Hendricks was seated behind a rude, arrogant person on a plane. The man was drunk and he got worse and he was terrible and gave his, the stewardess a nightmare. But the stewardess waiting on him was unflappable. He never got under her skin. At the end of the journey, Howard, well, at, during the flight, Howard went to the back of the plane, found the stewardess. He wanted to commend her and he wanted to tell her, her bosses about how good she was. And this was her response to what Howard said to her. She said, listen carefully, I don't work for American Airlines. I work for Jesus Christ. When you're working for Jesus, friends, everything changes. Your whole approach changes. And you live a life that is pleasing to God. I finish with a workplace prayer. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I'm an anointed full-time minister of the gospel in the workplace at home. As I enter this workplace, I bring your presence with me. I speak your peace, your grace, your mercy, and your perfect order in this office. I thank you for the gifts you have blessed me with. I commit to using them responsibly in your honor. Give me a fresh supply of strength to do my job, anoint my project ideas and energy. May the way I do my work bring a faith and a smile to all that I come in contact with today. Help me to be salt and light that people would be drawn to you. Give me boldness to advance your kingdom in my workplace. Can you feel God's presence on that prayer, folks? It's the cry of the Spirit. The cry of the Spirit. Would you be Jesus' representative in your workplace, in your school, your university, in your home? your street, that people would be drawn to the Savior. Friends, would you seek His face for your workplace starting from tomorrow? And let's bring some transformation to our world. Jesus spent most of His time meeting the needs outside the four walls of the synagogue. That's where His focus was. That's where the power flowed strongest, where most miracles happened. Seek his face for your workplace. Thank you, campuses. Great having you with us today. Trust you enjoy the rest of the service. Going to hand over to the campus pastors. God bless you.